HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Hi, I'm Peter Reinhardt. You're on Pizza Talk, presented by Pizza Quest. And I'm sitting here today with Scott Wiener, our, our friend and our, our Pizza Today man on the street. Scott is a regular columnist for years for, at Pizza Today magazine. Uh, and he does the man on the street come. We want him to be part of our man on the street team. And so, Scott, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. It's great to see you. And I see you're in Brooklyn and uh, in, in, in front of your wonderful uh, backdrop there of the slices of pizza. You, uh, I'm in my pizza. Yeah, I'm in my pizza studio right now. I love it. I love it. Well, well speaking of pizza street and being the man on the street, uh, what is happening on the street? Is anything happening on the street out there? It's actually pretty interesting. Right now, on the street, uh, pizzerias are open, they're delivering, and they're doing takeout, and people are buying their pizza. I see it all the time. And uh, it's it's kind of wild. Uh, pizzerias that never really had to deal with that before are now changing their tune. People are testing new styles to deal with delivery and takeout. As you know... Anything in particular? Well, you know, like, all these, like, hot, super high-temperature wood-fired places are starting to do lower temperature wood fired so they can deliver a, a stiffer pizza that will last more in the box. I see. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, and I know that uh, while you're not on the street today, we're hoping in future episodes to get you out there when we can figure out how to, how to sort of do it remote out there and get some kind of a Wi-Fi connection so that you're out there really uh, in front of some of the places that are doing it. But we're hearing this nationwide that probably of, the big, of all the sectors of the restaurant business, it seems like the pizza community has responded and pivoted most quickly uh, and, and has, has found ways to survive and make it happen. What do you see? Yeah, well, I think pizzerias are already set up for takeout and delivery for the most part. And it's a food that consumers know and trust to be delivered to their homes. It's one of the earliest food, home food delivery foods. After the Second World War, pizza really took off and delivery food took off 
because of pizza and pizza took off because of delivery food. So it makes a whole lot of sense that right now, time of crisis, pizza makes sense. And it's something we already know. It's, 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 it's rare that you're going to call up your local steakhouse and say, you know what, can you, I want to get two T-bones delivered to me. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't enter your brain. It's an Indian type. So we're starting to get a little, you don't little think of Wi-Fi. Uh, tablecloth foods, which is why pizza has survived. Well, I'm just going to mention, so uh, because in Brooklyn right now, everybody's on, everyone's on Zoom, it seems like, so there's a lot of uh, competition for bandwidth. So every once in a while, your your uh, voice breaks up or whatever. So those who are watching, just know that we're just going to stay with Scott through all this and he'll keep bouncing back in. Uh, in fact, let's let's stop for a second because while many people know you and anyone who goes to Pizza Expo or, any, or read the pizza magazines know who Scott Wiener is, but for many of our viewers who don't know who you are or haven't read the interviews we've done with you on Pizza Quest uh, in the past or your columns, uh, give us a little background on Scott's pizza tours and your whole pizza journey because it's you're a man who has dedicated his life ever since you graduated from college to to pizza, but you're not a pizza restaurant operator. You're a pizza lover. So tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I always call myself a professional pizza enthusiast. That's my little self-proclaimed title here because there's no better way to describe it. Uh, I started running a tour company in 2008. It's called Scott's Pizza Tours. And with those tours, I take people to significant pizzerias around New York City, take them into the kitchens. We talk to owners, pizza makers. And the idea is to understand why New York is a famous pizza city and to understand how each style developed and how they're all produced. So in doing that, I've also started doing some other pizza-related projects like writing the column for Pizza Today magazine, working with you, with Pizza Quest, and uh, judging pizza competitions. <laughs> I know we've I mean, sat side-by-side at pizza competitions judging pizzas, which is like... It sounds like a great job, but at the end of the day, you kind of feel like, uh, all right, I can only handle so much pizza. Remember that time we, we were in Harlem and we ate 50 margarita pizzas in That's two great. days? Yeah, yeah, and yet Still the amazing thing is, is that the next day you're bouncing back and you're back in the pizza trail every single day. You never, never seem to get tired. No, I, well, I, and I remember what you said to me that day was, you know what, just when you thought you've had too many pizza margaritas, one comes up that does the one thing differently and it yeah. resets you. It's amazing. It's, a, it's like an amazing world. And I always feel sort of excited to be a part of it because it never get, really does get old. It doesn't get old. And you keep reinventing yourself. You've got, even got your own uh, series, your own uh, TV series. I've seen it on Thrillist. I've seen it on Amazon Prime called Really Dough. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Really Dough is an episode produced by Thrillist. It's a series produced by Thrillist. And in each episode, we visit a different pizzeria and try the weirdest thing that they make. And the two hosts are myself and Mark Iacono from Lucali in Brooklyn. He's a stickler. He's strict yeah. dough sauce and cheese. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, banana peppers, bananas, peppers, chocolate. I'll take it all. I love it, but Mark always introduces himself as a pizza purist, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you're like the, the ecumenical pizza. Any pizza is a good pizza. Yeah, I, I feel like... It's a great well, dynamic between the two of you guys. Yeah, it's fun because there's a playful tension with it, and you know, with, if we disagree, it's not a negative thing. Yeah. It's actually helpful, and neither of us has ever 
really deeply offended by the other person's perspective, <laughs> which is why I think pizza is so cool because you could argue about thin or thick or crunchy or soft. And at the end of the day, you're both just happy to be talking about the food that you Look, love. It's not like politics. Mark does do a little serious trash talking with you sometimes. And, uh, and so it looks like you guys are on the verge of a breakup and then you somehow <laughs> just wake up. You know? <laughs> well, you know, the thing about Mark and the thing about a lot of people of Mark's ilk is when they rib you, that means they love you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best part. And of course it makes for great television. And so how many, you've yeah. done like a lot of episodes of that series, like two or three seasons, right? Yeah, we did 20-something episodes, and I don't know if we're doing any more right now because uh, Thrillist has sort of changed up a lot of their staff, so I'm not sure if we're doing any more, but I know a lot of people have been messaging us online and on Instagram saying that they want more episodes, so maybe we'll figure but something out. The, what's cool about the show for me is, is that you go to a lot of places that none of us are ever going to be able to get to if we don't live in, in the New York area. Uh, and some of them are even outside of New York City. And you've gone, I know it's this down to Philly, you've gone up to Boston, you've gone everywhere in the show. Uh, so it's really a pizza quest of its own style. Of your, It's your pizza quest, and, and I love it. And I see some pretty outrageous pizzas. Uh, what are? Can you talk about maybe a couple that you think were sort of really push the, the envelope of what is a pizza and, uh, and whether you liked it or didn't like it. Well, I'll never forget the ramen pizza that we had from Tony Bologna's in New Jersey. I talk about that one a lot, yeah. Well, because it's, you know. Out of ramen noodles, right? Right, and this is where I, I actually want to ask you about this because I think a lot of my theory about pizza is derived from a lot of the things you talk about, which is pizza is bread, and bread is this life cycle food and you know that it's really it's grain and is yeast but then you go to something like ramen ramen noodles and it's not it, it's made of a dough okay but it's not a leavened well it's a wheat based dough but it's a noodle it's not a bread it's if that's the base of the pizza, is that bread? And if it's right. not, does it mean it's not pizza? Is a rice right. cake with sauce and cheese a pizza? Where, I like you like Mark takes a bite of it and goes, "This is really good, but it's not pizza," you know, because it not it doesn't meet his definition of pizza. So, and I think it really comes down to uh, how you define pizza. Because in the purest sense, a pizza, you can be as pure as the Neapolitans and say a pizza has to be baked in a wood-fired oven and it has to be you know, at this temperature and it has to be with this flour. Or you can open it up a little bit. And Americans, I think, are, are great at being able to see sort of a much bigger scope and maybe we believe in pushing the envelope. And I think that's what you represent that side of the argument is that let's see how much we can extend this definition to being more inclusive um, because no matter which form it takes. And, and that ramen piece is a good example. It tastes really, really good. And it's a, it's a, it's a crust with something on it. Yeah. Well, I guess what's your definition of pizza? Well, I, my starting point always is, is this pizza is dough with something on it. And I say that, uh, you know, and so I have a very broad definition of pizza. Um, I think that dough and usually it's bread dough, but it doesn't have to be wheat. It doesn't have to be, leavened it could be unleavened you know it can be matzah for that matter if it's dough with something on it it sort of fits in the the broad category of pizza the word pizza itself i think we associate we tend to associate with italian or mediterranean styles of pizza but pizza exists to me 
in every culture, but maybe under different names. Like I think a quesadilla is a type of pizza. I think a grilled cheese sandwich is kind of a type of pizza. Instead of dough with something on it, it's dough with something in it. But it has that same, it delivers that same level of enjoyment that a pizza does with the, with, when you get that crust with that crackly, toasty side with the melted cheese inside. I mean, how different is that from a pizza? And how different is the, the joy that it gives you? Is the, is the crackliness and crunchiness an important part for the definition? For certain kinds of pizza. Not all pizzas are crackly and crunchy, right? There's so uh, many that are soft. I mean, that's why I think pizza is so fathomless, is that, is that it can exist in a lot of different forms. And you've really seen more pizzerias than I have. You've traveled uh, to many more locations. Uh, I've, what I did was I sort of narrowed my search to places that I heard about that were doing something really extraordinary and breaking from the pack because I knew that my body couldn't handle going to as many pizzerias as you. You're a fast burner. I'm a slow burner. <laughs> you burn it off and you're ready and you never gain weight. Me, I had to like work for, for months after each pizza trek to take off that weight. Oh, so yeah, anyway, but- I, so I, I have less, less uh, places that I've gone to and you've seen much more variety. Uh, so let, what do you, what do you think is pizza? I, to me, it's, and this is where I'm fascinated by your definition, because I think I agree with it, where dough with something on it, but I, I, that is a, as opposed to bread with something on it, which I'm actually curious to ask you about, because to me, the fact that it's raw dough topped and then baked, that's to me what historically constitutes a pizza, but would you call something that is a baked product, like you mentioned matzah, something baked then topped? Is that a pizza? Well, there are pizzas that are like that. Certainly most frozen pizzas, uh, many frozen pizzas are par-baked or pre-baked and then re-baked in the oven. And we still mm. think of them as pizzas because they meet the other definitions. They may have red sauce and cheese. Um, but the, how they got there was in a different process. And, and of course, all of these frozen pizzas are a more modern creation. So once again, I think a lot of it depends on uh, where you grew up, what your exposures were. What about a, a kid who grew up with frozen pizzas before they ever had a pizzeria pizza? Their frame of reference is totally different. Huh. So I, guess so I don't you say bread with something on it. I say dough with something on it because the dough could be pre-baked, unbaked. It could be dough made from maybe non-wheat things. But if you grew up in, in uh, Naples, your, your sense of what a pizza is is totally defined by the kinds of pizzas that are made in Naples, which are great, it can t- kind of tend to also make you a little bit elitist. And I, and I kind of fight against elitism when it comes to pizza. So the, you know, so the idea of the pizza rules, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the true pizza Napolitana rules, uh, while they're very important from a marketing standpoint to preserve a technique and a method, can also kind of create a false sense of what true pizza is. And I think that's part of the fun of it is, is that this debate uh, it can lead to some pretty cool trash talking when you think about it. But in the end, it's really, you know, about what do we like? What, what, you know, what, for instance, we may have different styles of pizza that even you and I, even though we agree on a lot of the, the uh, sort of broad definition of pizza, we may have styles that we prefer over other styles that, uh, that we don't agree on. Yeah. But I think preference is different from definition. And I think where preference, you can't argue with anybody about that. If I say I like something, you can't say, well, no, you don't. But with definition, and this is where I, I don't think there's a real answer. Of course, I think that the definition for the word pizza is 
uh, it's, it, there's a gradient and it sort of fades and it never totally vanishes. But yeah. if you want to argue that a dumpling is a pizza, that's harder for me to do than yeah. to argue that a bagel with sauce and cheese is a pizza, which is harder to argue than a Neapolitan pizza. So I sort of have a center of the definition and then it's sort of, it, it goes out and it, it, like the universe, you know, it's constantly expanding. Well, did you go on any of your uh, of your treks with Mark? Did you go to any places that made pizza on bagels? Didn't I think you did go to one? Didn't you? We did. We did. We went to Baz Bagels in New York City, and they did a pizza bagel, which to me is is a bagel and not a pizza. Yeah. It tastes like. But this is where it, the pizza bagel is a good example for this. Is a pizza defined by its construction or by its uh, by it, by its like by by the by the person eating it. Yeah. You know? Well, that, that's a good example. When I was a kid, uh, they used to make in my elementary school. Uh, they called it American pizza, and it was a hamburger bun with some American cheese and a little bit of uh, you know uh, spaghetti sauce on it, and they grilled it and they put it out and served. Called it American pizza, and that was one of the first pizzas I ever had uh, until we discovered our neighborhood pizzeria, and I said. God, this American pizza is pretty crappy, but uh, but I know what they were going for. They were trying to give you sort of a sense of these this flavor profile. Um, so that represented two very distinct, you know, things. And so I hated the American pizza, and yet in a way, it met their definition of a pizza, which was dough with something on it. Um, we could talk, and again, there's no answer because we could talk about this forever. And of course, you and Mark argued this point. You know, is it? You know, sometimes you would agree that it tasted good, but but also disagreed on whether it was actually a pizza or not. So let's talk more about this. Well, let's take a little break here. When I come back uh, from from this, we're gonna we're gonna uh, continue with Scott Wiener and talk about uh, his own journeys in the pizza world. And also, I want to talk a little bit about two things that we haven't touched on. One is your pizza box collection. You've got like the world's largest collection of pizza boxes, and also your work with Slice Out Hunger, which I think is brilliant and has provided a lot of of uh, relief for people, but also pizzas for healthcare workers that are working out there on the front lines. And I want to hear more about that. We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest right after this break. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. I'm Peter Reinhardt. Welcome back to Pizza Talk, presented by Pizza Quest. Uh, today, I'm here with Scott Wiener. We're going to continue a conversation we started in our last segment. Uh, we, we covered in the first round with Scott uh, about his pizza tour business, uh, his, his show, uh, Really Dough, which is when it's 20 plus episodes 
that are out there on Thrillist and on Amazon Prime. Uh, we've talked about our love for pizza, our definition of pizza. So if you didn't, uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, go back and watch that and then join us here because we're going to continue going forward. And I want to talk about two things with Scott in this segment. One is uh, his, his uh, world-renowned pizza box collection, which we'll hear about in a second, and also his work uh, with Slice Out Hunger. And we want to hear uh, about how many people are being fed pizzas because of the work that you're doing uh, you know, in, in uh, this sort of philanthropic business that you've started. Um, so, but first, let's talk about pizza boxes because uh, I know that you've got a huge collection. I do, yeah. It's a Guinness World Record collection of 1,550-something boxes that I keep all in my apartment in Brooklyn, like a few feet away from where I am right now, and uh, just become a total passion of mine to collect pizza boxes. 1,500, uh, which represent probably more than 1,500 pizzerias because some places use maybe the same box even. So that's a lot yeah. of pizzas. Not all that you've been to personally, right? Or, or have you? No. I no, it's sort of – yeah, it's sort of, I always, I always liken it to like stamp collecting or baseball card collecting. You haven't met every baseball player. You trade cards. You, you know, in the world of pizza boxes, there aren't many people who collect them. I think I only know of uh, one besides myself. Really? And, yeah, and he, I mean, last I talked to him, he had 400 boxes, and they were all frozen pizza boxes. So they're not like what I have, which are takeaway boxes. He's a so, niche guy. He's got his own little niche. But you've got the Guinness World's record, right? Yeah, I do. I'm very proud of that. That is amazing. I had a huge bottle cap collection when I was a kid, probably over 1,500 different bottle caps. Uh, but of course, I didn't go all over the place to get them. I had a few places where they sold lots of different kinds of soft drinks, and I would go and collect their bottle caps. Uh, but I could get them all in one shopping bag. You've got a so many. Where do you keep yours? Yeah, I got to keep them in a – right now, some of them are in my parents' house in New Jersey. Oh, and then wow. the bulk of them are in my apartment in Brooklyn. So, like, in a closet, yeah, not much bigger than the studio that I'm in right now, which is also a closet. Can you build a house out of your, your pizza box? <laughs> I think people think that my furniture is going to be made out of pizza boxes with, like, a sheet on top of them. Uh, yeah. uh, no, they're not, they're not strong enough. I wouldn't want to abuse them by sitting there. Yeah. It's, a, it's actually pretty cool. That, yeah, well, and, and you've got a couple to show us, right? So uh, give us an example yeah. of your, some favorite boxes. Yeah, I've got a lot of favorite ones. Like, um, here, I'll show, you, I'll show you a couple of really beautiful artwork boxes. This is one from Italy, where yeah. I think they're just obsessed with American film stars. Take a look Ooh. at this. Oh, my gosh. I see Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah. Oh, Brad Pitt on the right. Uh, now, who's that guy in the middle? George Clooney. Oh, well, they didn't quite nail George, I don't think. They got they got no, I, They they oh. have him like a little a little too long on the face, but yeah. I I just love boxes like this cuz this is a printed box. like this is a mass produced box. This is not like somebody's painting. And it's yeah. printed. You can see real close. Uh, it's printed. So it's, I just love that they go through, you know, American boxes are two colors, maybe three at most. Boring compared to this. So. They're turning it into its own little pop art form. Well, it's more, even more than that, like it's become a part pop art form in other countries. Italy, I feel like it's more referential. It's like they want to put Italian actors on there, American actors. There's an Obama box that I've always been trying to get. But then in Sweden, 
they are there are pizzerias that do like very weird out there branded but not overtly marketing check this out this is a box from a place in stockholm oh my god that it doesn't even didn't even say the name of the pizzeria on it it's it's like my my nightmare last night my covid nightmare <laughs> yeah it does kind of look like a covid situation wow it even has the points on it so yeah, this is, yeah. it's wow. from a place called omnipolis hat and if you know that then you look at this and it says o h omnipolis hat yeah and it's got all these little hats but beyond that it doesn't is it like in america we would say peter's pizza yeah but now in sweden it's all about the artwork so the so really the pizza boxes are its own art form you could it could exist without the pizzas even it's, it's got its own thing you, you, know, always, don't, you have, don't you have a simpsons box yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah this is one of my absolute favorites it was in the book that I wrote all about pizza boxes called Viva La Pizza. And one of my favorite boxes, I got it in the Netherlands in 2012, but it's from Italy. Turn it around and you can see its origin, all the details. But yeah. Very cool box. And what I and love about these these boxes is that it's not really Bart and Homer. It's like yeah. you know, Homer with hair and Bart with a beard. It's because this particular artist, Ganto, yeah, he does, he does all these images that are basically trademark infringement, but uh, that's his specialty. I love it. He's a knockoff artist. Yeah, and I'm I'm a fan of his. So and he, and he can get away with it in Italy. They can't sue him because he's over there and he's not actually saying he's not claiming that it's Bart and Homer. Yeah, but everybody knows who it is. Yeah, if it said The Simpsons, then there would probably be a problem, but it does not. Is he the same guy who did the uh, Clooney? Uh, uh, Tom Cruise. He is not actually. I'm glad you asked that. This is an artist by the name of Luca Ciancio. Is another good thing about in Italy. There's so much more pride about the art that the artists will sign the box image. That's cool. So Andy Luca Warhol Ciancio. would have been so proud of these guys. Yeah, yeah, love it. Really well, uh, well. Now, uh, what about some other uh, styles? Are there some more techno styles? Yeah. So I've got some really interesting technology that's been happening. So, of course, everybody's trying to deliver a pizza box that will make the pizza taste better. Yeah. I don't want to actually, I don't want to say better. You know, when you put a pizza in a box, it yeah. comes to. So, yeah, this is, this is a box that has a built. This is a box that has a built in platform so that your pizza sits on top of this rack. And so it's just like in the restaurant, if you have a cooling station, this allows the pizza to breathe. It breathes and it doesn't get as soggy. And yeah, are, you starting, are you seeing this box out there? Are, are, are places actually using this stuff? Because I, I know I saw, I think I saw something like this at the last Pizza Expo where somebody was trying to, you know, sell uh, pizzerias on, on buying it. Are you seeing people using it? Uh, not so much because every time there's a box that has an added cost, yeah. that becomes problematic. So since that has more paper, yeah, no pizzeria wants to spend another three cents a box because multiply that by 10,000 boxes and then suddenly you're losing real money. Unless it's going to give them some kind of a marketing edge over their, their competitors. It's funny that you use the phrase marketing edge because I want to show you this box right. that, uh, that, that doesn't have really added cost to it. It uses exactly what the box already is, but there's added value. So this is called the, the spatula box. So the box has a built-in spatula that you can punch it out and remove oh. it. Oh. And that becomes 
That becomes a spatula for your pizza. So here That's it is. Pretty cool, I have to say. Look at this. It, it bends up like this, and it stays firm, so you can actually hold something like your phone on it, like a slice uh, of pizza. Yeah. And, you know, it's got this edge. And, you know, in, the, in these contact-free days that we're living in, the ability to be able to do this and not touch the slice is pretty good. That is an innovation award-winning idea right there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it takes off. It's brand new. I, I just this is a prototype I just got, and you know, it's it only it doesn't add any more paper. It just cuts out a piece of the of the box. That's it. So, so as the reigning uh, world collector of pizza boxes, are companies now sending you things like this before they even hit the market to, to add to your collection and also to get your feedback? Yeah, I, I, a lot of people call me and ask me my opinion about boxes, and or they'll send me the prototypes, and I'm all about it. I mean, I, I you know, I offer uh, consulting services for all things like this because yeah. this is the thing that I pay a lot of attention to. So, well, it would make sense. I mean, you you write a um, regular column in Pizza Today uh, magazine, and you're you're really well known at the Pizza Expos. Many of the of our viewers are see you at the Expo, and know you, but also many have never been to Expo and don't know you. But uh, you're there. You're everywhere. You're you're emceeing some of the competitions. Sometimes you're a judge. Uh, you know, you're all over the pizza world, and yet you're not a pizza operator. You are a pizza tour person. You you've got Scott's Pizza Tours. How many people over the last twelve years would you say you have taken on tours to uh, top pizzerias in the New York area? We've had over seventy thousand people on tours since I started doing this in two thousand eight. So it's been quite a few people. And it's amazing because it's professionals, uh, people in the industry who are uh, marketing people and branding experts and research and development and you know, mom and pop pizzeria owners for 65 years. It's everybody. It's tourists. It's local. It's like, it's like not a tour. It's more of a whole experience and a way of introducing people to what's going on in pizza in New York and just globally. And do you... Do you personally do the lead the tour, or do you have other guys uh, or people working for you, or like tour tour uh, leaders, tour? What would you call it? Yeah, we, we have a whole team. We have a whole team, but we I don't really like to call them tour guides because they're not really like point at a building kind of people. They're they're pizza nerds. You know, they're it's like docents. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, they really are in a way because you know it's like if you were in living in New York and you were retired. Uh, and I would hire you in a heartbeat because you would you would go be able to give people deep information about what it is that they're seeing and experiencing. And I think that that's so great. Like we've had history professors and uh, stand up comics and all, this whole range of people who are just like they're not pizzeria operators and they never have been, but they yeah. but they understand the pizza world. And that's part of my job is to train them so that we can then express that to our guests. So you've got now like, a, uh, you've created in a sense a whole new genre of, 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 of business, of people who can lead these kinds of tours the same way that, uh, say, a Nature Preserve has docents that can lead tours or museums have, uh, have museum docents. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're very much like, like an interactive, like a docent who is, but we, instead of just showing you something that's already there, we're really reactive to the group. So if you're in the group and you say, oh, well, if I like thin crackery crust, what am I looking for? And then my people will hopefully be able to tell you about type of flour, bake, baking surface, 
hydration, oil content, fermentation methods. Like I really want them to know as much as humanly possible. That's well, and it's wonderful that there's plenty of people that have the same kind of passion that you do for pizza. Not all of us have the passion to be in the business, the restaurant business. And uh, certainly right now, this is a challenging time for those who are in the restaurant business. Although I know the pizzeria operators are pivoting in a way that maybe has put them in front of the whole restaurant industry for being able to turn this around. But how's this affecting your tour business since uh, most of the pizzerias are not open for sit-down business? Well, uh, the tour business has been completely on pause since March 15th, I think, or March 16th. So we haven't done a thing because we, we can't physically be out in these public places and right. we can't ask people to gather. We can't do that. So we're, we're on absolute pause for our physical services, but now we have all these online services that we're highlighting, which are twice a week. We do online classes, which are uh, lecture style classes. So we uh -huh. do one that's about pizza history on oh. Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And then every Thursday night at 8 p.m., we do one that's called New York City in Eight Slices, where we feature eight different pizzerias and we explain their significance in, in pizza's development in New York. But Is then we also have two classes on the weekends that are about pizza making. So Saturday, we have dough making class. And then Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon, New York time, we have pizza making class. So you can do classes on a Saturday and Sunday and make dough, bake it the next day with us, and it's great. All from my kitchen. Subscribe to some of these, uh, the tours or the classes. How do they do that? Yeah, they just go to scottspizzatours.com, and we have options right there on the website. That's awesome. Well, given the fact that you know we're in this unique period, the, the I call it the age of COVID or whatever you want to call it, um, you're doing something really interesting with your slice out hunger nonprofit work and, and can you talk a little bit about about what you're doing with that yeah absolutely so slice out hunger is the nonprofit that i started back in 2015 is when we became incorporated and our work has always been about supporting hunger relief organizations through pizza related events and pizza related campaigns and once this situation hit us with the pandemic we teamed up with slice the pizza app and we've been sending pizza to hospitals, uh, healthcare workers, first responders, shelters, all across the country since March 21st. And in doing that, we're buying pizza from independent restaurants and sending it to people who need it. And all that gets funded through donations. So we've raised almost half a million dollars on, in donations, and we're just every day spending ten dollars or $15,000 to send pizza Pretty crazy. I love the fact that, that this, the money is going back to the operators so that they're, they're not being asked to just give away their pizzas, which a lot of them do anyway. They donate pizzas left and right, but they're getting paid for this, which helps keep them in business as well. Exactly. Peter, we know that people are donating pizza. We don't want them to give anything out for free because restaurants are hurting so badly. So our solution is let's get people who want to help and buy the food. And if you want to buy two pizzas for a hospital, that might not be as effective and as simple as donating the money to us. Then yeah. we can buy 50 pizzas for that same hospital. And you're not just doing this in the New York area. This, this uh, project is really, you can do pizza delivery where? How many cities are you affecting right now? We have, to date, we've delivered 18,500 pizzas to 
850 care centers around the country. We've delivered to 40 states. We're everywhere. We've delivered to Hawaii. We've delivered to Alaska. We've delivered to Idaho, everywhere. So when somebody uh, contacts you and says, I live in this particular region and I want this money to be designated for, to, to, to help the, the healthcare workers in my area, can they do that? We can do it to an extent. We don't like to tie too much of the donation to a specific ask. But if somebody donates a lot of money, then we know, okay, great, we can designate that to Seattle. But if uh, you donate $30, we will send pizza to wherever you want, but we have to do it on our own pace, and we're probably going to yeah. lump a lot of donations. It's, we're 100% volunteer run. So we don't have a big group where nobody draws a salary. So, right. so it's, hard to, it's hard for us to have the bandwidth to do some of the things that a bigger organization would do but we have the flexibility of a small organization. So every dollar we take in is deployed. We don't take any money out of it. It's 100% uh, money that comes in, goes out. I I think that's really wonderful to to do this kind of philanthropic work uh, with with yourself and other volunteers who are just donating their time to essentially, the service really is to to provide uh, pizza to uh, people who are saving lives out there and helping others. And, uh, you know, it's just needed right now, of course. And, and in addition, what I like also is that it's providing revenue streams back into the restaurant business. So thanks exactly. so much for setting all that up. I know that takes up a lot of your, your time. You know, we're having a lot of fun talking, but a lot of your work goes into this, you know, into this service work, which is, uh, which is not that many people understand that you do that in addition to running your business and being the, the man on the street in the pizza world. It's, there's so much going on all the time, but especially at a time like this, we have to remember the bigger picture and that's, you know, the, most of my time is spent on working on that project, uh, which means it's easy to forget about the actual tour business, but like, look, as long as we keep things active and keep pushing, uh, you know, we're, we're there for you. If, if there's something you need in the pizza world, education wise, I've got that covered. And if people want to volunteer, they can be ready for them as well. And they can reach you if they in any of those capacities by uh, reaching you through your website at scottspizzatours.com. Is that the best way? Yeah. Scottspizzatours.com is the way to get me for tours. But if you want to uh, participate in or donate to Slice Out Hunger for the Pizza versus Pandemic campaign, you just go to sliceouthunger.org. .org. So that's great for all of you who are watching. Uh, that's a great way to support the work that Scott's doing with lots of other people. How many volunteers do you think are, are part of your work there? Our whole team is 35 people. That's amazing. That's fantastic. And thank you to everybody on that team for putting in your time and effort for that. They're the well, best. We've been talking with Scott Wiener, the founder of Scott's Pizza Tours, also Pizza Today Magazine's Man on the Street. We hope you will now be our man on the street. We'd like to have you back, uh, you know, as often as you can do it. Uh, and we'll be, you know, kind of uh, rotating uh, segments with interviews with a lot of other pizza luminaries, artisans of all sorts. We have our, our, dough, our dough experts, our what we call the, the pizza yodis, who will be talking about how to improve dough. We're going to be talking about everything we can related to the never-ending search for the perfect pizza. And you're Wait, a big part of that. They, they are. Docents. They're docents. They're docents. Hey, you know what? I hadn't heard that one before. I like it.
Well, you just said it a few minutes ago, and it didn't even click, but they're doses. The yodis are right now. I love it. We're going to add that in. If you don't mind me stealing that idea from you, we're going to add it in. I'm sure, I'm sure I didn't invent that. <laughs> Beautiful. Scott Wiener, thank you so much for sharing all your time, energy, and uh, also this great work that you're doing out there for people who are, who are out there on the front lines of the, uh, you know, sort of helping others, the medical, the medical world, the, the healers. And, uh, and again, we're going to keep tapping into your, uh, your connections out there and uh, keep us informed as to what's going out on in the pizza world and in your world as well, because it's very, very interesting. And uh, for those who haven't uh, seen episodes of uh, Really Dough, uh, they're fun, they're short and sweet. They're fun uh, with, with uh, Scott and Mark Iacono who uh, debate whether these creative pizzas that they're eating are really pizzas or are they something outside the box, right? And uh, I'm Peter Reinhardt. This is Pizza Talk presented by Pizza Quest. We're with Scott Wiener today. Thanks, Scott. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for having me. It is a true honor, Peter. Our honor. Thanks. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.